0: Thank you for joining us again on The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. And we have a guest back with us again this week. Yes. Jump in anytime.
1: Hi, I'm Nelson.
0: There we go. <laughs> you might remember Nelson. He got us in trouble last time he <laughs> <we> was here. <laughs> we talked about the satanic panic and its various tentacles <laughs> and uh, tentacles. dungeons and dragons. I can't say tentacles. Tentacles. Ten- is there a tent? tentacles tentacles. Yeah. tentacles there we go so it's funny because there there are people
2: who i knew that were following the podcast and talking to me every time that the podcast was released about what they thought of our subject and that those two episodes i had several people who just didn't talk to me about the episode at all Like didn't they went from the week before talking about it for weeks and then not talking about it. and then as we resumed the next one they they talked about that one but i, I was fairly entertained by that the 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 Quiet unease that it
0: produced in some people. For and two weeks okay. in a row. it I is I mean, okay. it's it's an uneasy topic, so it is. it's uh, it's fine. Although
2: we, we find it hilarious now, which is sad, in some sense.
0: Yes, I mean, well, yes. Moral panics have a certain thing about them, and we yes. go through them as a culture from time to time. And there's people's lives get destroyed over no this doubt. stuff. What well, we're seeing and some it can of be that now, kind of crazy. There's a few
2: things we're seeing that now,
0: but with. they're usually but. based in. Something that is that isn't of itself true, but what gets made out of it—it's right. overreported. It gets that's right, right, that's right. But we're not here to talk about moral panics tonight. No. To everybody's amazement and, and <laughs> thankfulness like. of heart. We, we are going to uh, also not open with a fear tournament because we're just throwing everything out the window. That's right. We're just glad to be back. It's, That's right. It's something it is. that w- me and Nate get to sit down every week and talk about stuff, but we haven't had that opportunity for a little while. Yeah. And we're glad to be back. Well, and Sheldon's been be traveling.
2: Back. School's been crazy for both of us. Yeah, We've just had some interesting we stuff We just came going through
0: on. Memorial Day weekend, which means that my family went camping, which I need to tell you about my family camping. Oh, no. Um, this, this is what we did for fun. And my grandma this weekend was like, well, we started camping back in the day because, you know, it's, it's a cheap and easy way <laughs> to have fun. And as she's detailing her years of camping and having a cabin eventually and do, uh, like having a boat and going fishing and other things, my wife was looking at me and going... It's not cheap. Not anymore. (laughs) None of of this is cheap. Not anymore. Like, when you first have... Comfort eventually wins if you you camp enough. When you first have three kids and two parents and a tent, and you go out in the middle of nowhere for, like, two days, that can be cheap. But my family does try and camp on the cheap. So, up in Canada, we would go literally past where the road should end and just keep on going on gravel road and then pull off and camp, and we'd be out there for a couple days, five days, in a tent, and fish, and that was camping, Yeah. and so when we go camping, like, there's, for Jess, it was hard to break into our family, when we were like, we're gonna go camping, she didn't realize, oh, we're not Showering, yeah, <laughs> we're not. We're not, uh, that's the one thing that gets me with we're it. not having indoor toilets, yeah, my or dad, running water of any
1: kind. For my dad, uh, anything's fine as long as he can flush the toilet paper. So, visiting us in Honduras was a no go because yeah. we had we would throw our toilet paper in the trash and yeah. not flush it, and he's like, yeah, I won't visit you, yeah, because the pipes aren't, are- yeah. Camping right. camping he would do as long as there was a place nearby that he could flush his toilet paper. Yeah. That's his that's his line. My
0: solution even on canoe trips or family camping trips, if there was a shovel to take care of your business in the woods. Yep, I'm on a no pooping strike. <laughs> that's just I uh, yep, we're just going to
1: you're just going to hold it in.
0: That's right. <laughs> My record is five days, because that's how long the canoe trip was. I've done that before. (laughs) This is not happening. One
1: time I've gone more than like a day without pooping was like a medical condition. (laughs) Well, that
0: was a medical condition, but it was self-induced. I had a
2: tradition when I would go to camp, because Camp Koinonia, for those of you who remember, it was absolutely disgusting, the bathrooms were, and they were so bad that I would not sit on one of those toilets, I just wouldn't do it. And so I'd go a whole week of camp, no, camp, camp, like teen camp. Oh. So... Finally, though, my last year of going, I discovered there was a counselor's bathroom. And so I started sneaking into that one. That was a great week. That's like
0: week. the family bathrooms at any public place. Yeah. Go into the family bathroom. Always. That is the place to go.
1: Always. I have a camp pooping story that will amuse and horrify the listeners. Do it. Uh, <laughs> so I used to be a camp counselor, and every week of the summer, you'd rotate jobs. So one week, you'd be a counselor. The next week, you'd be maintenance. Next week, you'd be groundskeeping, whatever. Okay. And whenever it was a guy's responsibility to clean the bathrooms for a week, on the last day of that week, all of the guy counselors would poop in the same toilet without flushing, oh. like, back to back to back. And, uh, yeah, fond memories.
0: Oh, that's brutal. That's really not
1: good. Yeah, you got to break it up with a stick.
0: Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, wow. That wasn't our opening segment. Our opening segment is something oh. me and Nelson have been working on, and we haven't introduced Nate to this yet, so we'll introduce all of you together. I just gotta get that image out of my head. Oh, I'm do. I said
1: amuse and horrify.
0: <laughs> That's why I'm moving <clears throat> on. All right. Alright, let's do this. All right. Where are we? I have a mild bronchitis, so just you know, it's deal funny with because me the last we time
2: we did this, I was hacking and you guys weren't, and now I'm fine and you guys are both. Doing a little bit of the throat-clearing coughing mm-hmm. thing. So Don't Nelson... give it to me, or else
0: I'll know who it was, and I will <laughs> find you. Go Mine ahead. only occurs when I lay down to sleep. But <laughs> anyway. Um, so we've been working on something that we've thought was a good idea, and okay. that is there should be a statute of limitations on the things you say uh, on the Internet. Mm-hmm. So, and, It started and I, with
1: Twitter specifically.
0: Okay, Twitter specifically, where... Okay, so there's statute of limitations on certain crimes for people that don't know. Yeah, right. You know, after so many years, you can't be – they can't drag up something from years and years ago and convict you on it. Right. Same thing needs to start happening with Twitter is, is my opinion. You, you want to yeah. kind of so, round out the concept here, what we're well, getting at?
1: First of all, a lot of people on Twitter, especially like blue check people that are, are famous or whatever, they'll set their tweets to delete after so many days. Mm-hmm. But the internet's forever, and you can... There are ways to go back and see what was there previously. right? right? And <clears throat> increasingly, we have these issues where, like, for example, James Gunn, <clears throat> right. something he said 10 years ago, was dragged up. And, you know, those were gross jokes, and he shouldn't have said them. But should he lose current contracts and jobs because of something he said 10 years ago, you know? Right. Um, there's a Canadian uh, political satirist that was talking to a bunch of students who were studying political science, and he said, how many people here have Twitter? And they all raised their hands. He's like, none of you will ever be prime minister, <laughs> right? <laughs> this idea that, like, the things you say, you know, tweeting absentmindedly are going to be held against you when you eventually run for office or, or you're an adult. Yeah. So... Uh, based on libel laws, which I think is a very similar concept, right? Something that you said, uh, that that should be our foundation for a statute of limitations. And so I went through I,
0: I asked him to look up, okay, there's a statute there's got to be a statute of limitations on libel and slander, which are both things that people say that other people can drag you into court for. Mm-hmm. right Yeah. and so I don't think you can be drugged into court for anything older than a certain amount of time that you've said,
1: right, right? So I went through all the states and European countries with a statute of limitations on libel laws and got a, an average. Okay. Uh, and it comes out to 18 months, which I think that's a good amount of time. If I said it a year and a half ago. I shouldn't be held responsible for it. Now, if you ask me about it, I'm like, yeah, I still believe that. Sure, like it renews, right? It's yeah. your, your new 18-month start period.
2: Well, here's, here's my thing with this. And, and this, this is all tied into right. the concept behind the totally, things we said. Totally get this. But here's, here's my thing. And, and we talked about this a little bit when we talked about history and why it matters when we did that yeah. podcast. Is that the problem with, with Twitter, and James Gunn's a perfect example. Ten years ago, that wasn't all that politically incorrect what he said. But the bar has moved. Yeah. The the the, the Overton the window. Post, yeah, the goalpost has moved. Thank you. I was going to use that phrase, but I wasn't sure if anybody would. Okay. So, but we'll go yeah. with that. I prefer Over, that.
1: For those that don't know, the Overton window is what is considered socially acceptable conversation.
2: Right. And it has been very forcibly moved, especially, I would say, in the last... Two or three years. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Maybe a little earlier than that, but yeah, definitely in the last two or three years. And so there's things that are not acceptable now that even ten years ago you could have said as a joke or whatever, and it would have been fine. The problem is, is you can't go back and go. Here's the bar now. Now we're gonna pre- we're gonna go back and judge you based on the current mm-hmm. uh, current system of thought. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work because you can you could literally destroy anybody with that. Because yeah. as long as something is acceptable in a certain time period, you just can't judge his- judge history by the current standard.
0: And, and we're so, saying we're we're trying to make a case that history is anything older than 18 months. I could get behind that. The only thing is, is that. So I would exclude people running for office from this. Yeah, but because you it, you're you've got to get a gauge on who you're electing. So you're trying to get an idea of who is this person? Where did they come from? But but, but, see, what's, but I would say it I would say I disagree not, not totally excluding them from it. Unless, like Nelson said, they renew and double down on something that they said. But I would say that you could say, you know what, I was a different person back then. We do believe that Hillary Clinton would no longer pass the Defense of Marriage Act, correct?
2: Right, and I also don't and her believe husband
0: she, passed the Defense right. of Marriage Act, mm-hmm. and so I also like,
2: don't believe she would call young African American males super predators now either. Right, right. and, even though, and um, even though she
0: did, so we wouldn't. We, we already kind of have this standard in place. Yeah, right. Well, and, but we haven't defined again, it yet. But again, that's the
2: thing. Even that, that, that thing that Hillary said, which was horrifying, that was a prevailing pattern of thought. Like There was a whole movement at the time. I just recently discovered this, and Joe Biden was one of the guys that was on board with this, mm-hmm. where there was this idea that this, sudden, this fatherless generation that was suddenly there in the, 90, in the 80s and 90s um, of, of African-American boys – we're going to be literally become super predators because they didn't have male influence. They didn't have all these, you know, normative things that most people had. So and they that it took was just,
0: statistics and blew it. And they blew, blew it up. It and so out of she was
2: speaking from that context. So even though I'm horrified by the comment, if you actually look at it, and here I am, I'm defending Hillary Clinton. I mean, come on. Uh, but. Even if you if if you look at it in context, it makes sense what she said, and so that was one of the things that bothered me. Once I discovered this, is like okay, this was cherry picked, and people were picking on her for this. Yeah, which I
1: think I think it's good though to to use somebody that you don't care for for the example of yeah. why it's important though, right? Because then it, it, just for anybody out there saying, oh, they're only saying this because of people in their own camp. No, yeah. I don't think anybody should be held responsible right. for something they said. And 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 Sheldon, you're saying like uh, people running for office. I still think that omits because a journalist says hey you know 10 years ago you said this awful thing do you stand by that and they say no i don't all right well
2: yeah then it's over then that's the end of the end of the conversation
0: yeah but that's the thing is i i I don't like the idea that it it because i had i had all kinds of opinions on star wars one of our first episodes year and a half ago yeah are no longer relevant i listened to that podcast i'm like oh man this was terrible but, you did, <laughs> like, but, but but that was it was fun at the time, but I'm at a different place now. Totally. I've under, I understand but, it in a different but way. But in
2: proper context, that's not a problem. Yeah. Because you're
0: looking at it and you're just saying this was just a
2: progression and
0: just yeah, moving I've forward. Yeah, I've learned a few things since then. The problem is, is, then.
2: That, is that people, people start with the assumption, especially in politics, and I, I don't know why, but this seems to be a, a very progressive mindset, which makes no sense to me because progressives are the ones who want so much social change. But there seems to be a prevailing thought pattern in progressivism that – once you are something you are always something no matter what that people don't have a capacity to change
1: no it's it's much narrower than that it, they they do that when it's convenient totally right totally. because you do not hear a whole lot of conversation from leftists about how bill clinton is a sexual predator
0: right or how donald trump is a democrat
1: right which right. was not to long if he ago. was
0: once a democrat always a democrat right. then
2: but and and that's true and that's true but it, but it seems to be down to um yeah, no, you're right. I mean it is it it's is based a, on the convenience of so yeah. yeah, you're right. But it either way, there there does seem to be some some manner of idea that, you know, if you're a racist, you're always gonna be a racist. Or if you're it's I, just
1: a weird thing. I'm gonna say an unpopular opinion right now. Um and having lived so having lived in more countries than most pe- progressives that I know who complain about racism, I can say without a shadow of a doubt, everyone is racist. Mm-hmm. We need to acknowledge our own biases and work past them. But don't assume that because everyone's racist, you can just start like labeling everything somebody does as As racist. Yeah. Right. When I lived in Latin America, I'm a tall, chunky, blonde, white guy. (laughs) I was exotic. And everywhere I went, my friends were concerned I was going to get robbed because that's what happens to tall white guys because obviously I'm rich. (laughs) When my dad grew up in Africa, the other African kids would push their nostrils in, breathe in so that their noses were thin and then point and laugh at him because they had wide noses. He had a skinny nose. Right, it's normal for people to notice differences. With, yeah. and
0: both of those are, are racist mindsets. Like you're looking at a race, uh, at another race, and making fun of it, Make, or and making assumptions yeah. about
1: who they are. Making assumptions. Like, these are normal things, and it's not unique to any one group. Right, and and having having worked in a lot of third world countries, I have friends of skin tone different than mine. I know that seems shocking, um, <laughs> and the things that they say are, are a whole lot more. Uh, scandalizing than what <laughs> what I hear a lot of my white friends say. Right. Um, so, and, so, yeah, it, it, it's it's so much more nuanced than people want it to be.
0: So this is a decent segue. One of the main topic that we wanted to get to tonight was immigration. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk a little bit about where we are in context and why Nelson is back for this podcast. Uh, Nelson, if you could just kind of run through... Um, just some places that you've lived, where you come from, a little bit of background doesn't have to be long. I think we both know that Nate was born in America. He is an American. Mm -hmm. Uh, he rocks the red, white, and blue. I'm half American, half Canadian, but I was born in Canada when I was born and then moved to the States when I was five. So I would say I'm like 80% American, 20% Canadian, but I hold both citizenships, um, i've just spent more time in the u.s that's just all it is (laughs) you do not hold american
1: citizenship yeah um give us your background. so i'm currently on a green card i'm working towards citizenship this summer um my i was born in in ontario canada um moved to uh, alberta when i was still quite young um started school in alberta but only like a year there then moved to St. Mary's, Georgia, lived in Georgia for a few years, moved to the East Coast of Canada where I lived for for 8 years. So when I when I think of home as far as Canada is concerned, that's kind of where I consider like it. New Brunswick? Is New Brunswick, yeah. Okay. Um then my after my after grade 10 I moved to the States and started my sophomore year. Uh, they, they had me repeat because uh, they weren't convinced that Canadian education system were, was up to the standards of American education system. Uh, and it's actually better. So I went from like a barely D student to an EZA student. Um, and part of that was by my own design. I was already fluent in French, but I took a French class for my foreign language credit. <laughs> That's just cheating. Um, when I finished high school, moved on to Louisiana uh, lived there for... Another
0: French state? Yeah, yes. Uh,
1: in, <laughs> Cheating. In Lake Charles, Louisiana, uh, living living in, in one of the lower-income areas, doing some disaster relief uh, prep work there. How uh, long
0: were you in Louisiana then?
1: Two or three years. Okay. Uh, and then moved to Roatan, Honduras, uh, where I did more disaster relief work um, because it's kind of a really good central hub for the Gulf Coast of Latin America. During that time, I married my wife, who's Guatemalan. We moved to Guatemala, lived there for a couple years, where I taught. Uh, I, I worked in a call center and taught American accent. I had to get rid of my Canadian accent to work there with and, uh, and teach American accent. And then our daughter was born, so we moved to the States. She was born in, in Guatemala. Guatemala, okay. Uh, and so I have three layers of of complex immigration mm-hmm. because I am a landed immigrant. I have a green card. My from wife,
0: Canada, Canada to the U S. Canada to the
1: U S. My wife is a, um, American citizen born abroad. My father is half. So
0: her parents were American, but she was born in Guatemala. No,
1: my mother-in-law is like fourth or fifth generation Guatemalan. Okay. Very, very German blood. Um, my father-in-law was half Mexican, half new Mexican. And he moved to uh, Guatemala when he was 20-something. And he lived there longer than he lived in the States. So he
0: was American. He was American, which so was he then conveyed Ameri- on her. Uh, he held American citizenship, but he was himself mostly Guatemalan.
1: Yeah, he, I mean, he died in Guatemala and lived th- more years there than he did in the States. Gotcha. Um, and so my wife has citizenship through him. My daughter was born in Guatemala. And since my wife is a natural citizen born abroad, my daughter should qualify as a natural citizen born abroad. However, if you were born after the year 1979 as a natural citizen born abroad and you did not live for a minimum of five years in the States before your child was born abroad, your child does not qualify as a natural citizen that makes born sense. abroad. And we missed that window by about six months. Mm. My wife lived in the States for about four and a half years. So we're working on my daughter's citizenship. She's currently here. On an expired visa, um, the U.S. government uh, has a more nuanced immigration policy than most people realize, and they are very forgiving of people who have come here legally, their visas or paperwork have expired, but they're working to correct it. Yeah. they're
2: less for- As long as they're in process.
1: Yes. They are less forgiving of people who have come not through a legal port of entry, which means an airport, a a border patrol along the coast or, or uh, along the highway.
0: And having some sort of history of that point of entry, is that what they're looking for?
1: Yeah. They want to know that you came here legally. Yeah. do they want to know when you came here and that they can verify that. And they want to know, they, they are interested in how long your paperwork's been expired. Yeah. Um, but if you've ever had legal paperwork, they're willing to work with you. Um, and then I have two sons, both born here. So they're full citizens. They're full citizens. They qualify for Guatemalan and Canadian citizenship. Yeah, my daughter has Canadian citizenship, born abroad. Uh, and when we get this all processed and, and figured out, she will also qualify as an American citizen at birth. <coughs> okay. Uh, rather than having become one, like so I will. So she has obe- no. So he
2: she has no citizenship citizenship tie. Sorry
1: to Guatemala. She does. She does. Yep, but just by being born there. So she'll have three. Three at birth. Wow. Yeah.
0: My kids my kids both have two. They've only been to Canada on vacation, but because I was born in Canada, I can convey citizenship on them. Mm-hmm. I think it's something as far as I understand that by age twenty seven they would have to claim for themselves.
1: 18. Huh? It's by eighteen. Eighteen? Yep. They have to do it before they turn eighteen.
0: Okay. We'll have to look into it it's a little bit. But for they you. they do have their proof of Canadian citizenship yeah. though. So yeah. Uh, we we have the whole like document that you can frame and whatever, but my kids have both from me.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and this is what I what I thought was so interesting because when the whole birther thing happened with with President Obama, this was the thing that was interesting to me. It wasn't so much that that thing started yeah. because there were some things that I was at least suspicious of that I thought was weird. Because for example, I had a buddy who uh, who went out there to the to the .gov site and pulled president obama's birth certificate they they put up and said this is a certificate mm-hmm. he put it in photoshop and he was able to pull it apart mm-hmm. you can't do that with a a real with a photo
1: authentic one yeah
2: with a photocopy but anyway my my well, point here, being is that two things happen yeah one is that people who didn't know what that meant would say well see he's not an american well no if his mother was an american citizen then doesn't it matter where he's born now. yeah and then there were the people who said well yeah but he may not be eligible to be president based on this but then there were people who were saying, "No, you're saying that he's not American." Who were saying, "No, he may not be eligible to be president." Well, and all these things that like it just turned into yeah, a big let stick let people circling mess.
1: themselves. Let, let me give my own two cents on yes, this because I was in the country, I was in the U.S. when this happened. Yeah. Um, president Trump loves a controversy without a doubt, and and <laughs> yeah. as we saw with Elizabeth Warren, he likes to start a controversy, egg somebody on, and when they finally give in, he doesn't care. Yeah. The fact that he got you to engage, he's won. Mm-hmm. And that is what we saw with the birth movement. Yeah. Because the letter of the law is, you must be a natural citizen yes. of the United States to run for the for the top office, right? Right. The letter of the wording is, natural citizen born abroad. Mm-hmm. The law is ever a pedant, right? right? So the, the letter of the law says, Natural citizen. And the letter of the law says natural citizen born abroad. Right. You are a natural citizen. You qualify. If one of your parents is an American citizen, it does not matter where you were born. If you can prove that one of your parents was an American citizen, you qualify. There was right.
0: even some discussion with McCain because he was born on a military base. Right. Yeah. Well, and that... Ted Cruz had the same thing. Oh, I mean that... They... Well, no. Ted Cruz has one American parent. He right. was born in Canada. Right.
1: Now, I will say... Which is
0: why I followed his presidential run because I'm like I've got to know if I can be president or <laughs> not. If if Ted Cruz has a fighting chance, then there is still a possibility that someday, if I get Twitter famous enough, <laughs> I could possibly be president of the United States.
1: Yeah, but and and if that ever comes up, Sheldon, um, I would just lean into it hard and say, yeah, I was born in Canada and my parents were American, so I qualify, and here's my proof. Yeah, but the, it was it was so. Oh, my, if my, Barack uh, Obama's mother was an American citizen when he was born, he qualified And right. The fact that they dragged their feet so much was what made it weird was well, not even just what made it weird, it's what allowed people to make it a controversy to make it some kind of conspiracy mm-hmm. when probably it was nothing yeah yeah well,
2: and i i I'm at worst, I believe that that the records were just lost that and so they had to make something up that's that's, that's what I believe at yeah, worst that's likely um but anyway. But yeah, that was a whole little side show. But
0: anyway, my uh, certificate of birth abroad Uh from the US was signed by James Bond. (laughs) Like the guy who was the US consulate at the time, I think it was in Winnipeg or somewhere, but he signed it. And his name is James Bond. That's neat. It's unreal. If if it wasn't such a personal document, I would post it to show you. But (laughs) my certificate of birth abroad is not going out on the internet. (laughs) Anyway.
1: So uh, that said, I've also experienced, so, so, so coming from the uh, immigration side, from, from a legal side, right? I have certain opinions about what the immigration process needs to be like. Uh, and, and there are people on the left who say, if you're against immigration, it's because you're racist. And that doesn't make sense because people come from lots of countries with lots of different skin tones. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, People on the right that say that, no, this is a purely le- legal thing, I, I can't buy it. Okay. Because I've experienced immigration from, as an immigrant, and I've had conversations where people, not knowing that I'm an immigrant, say something like, oh, I can't stand immigrants. And I say, yeah. I'm an immigrant. <laughs> and they say, well, you know, we're not talking about your kind of immigrant. Oh, yeah. dear. Right? And, and they didn't say, we're not talking about legal immigrants. Right. right? No, we're not talking about your kind of immigrant. Yeah. And, of course, it is an assumption on my part that they're referring to my skin tone, but, like, there are ways to word that that are a little bit more, uh, Yeah, you know. Well, and
2: uh, giving you my take on it, because I'm one who, in a right circumstance, I might say something similar to Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. But let me qualify that and what I mean by that is that culture is very, very different place to place. Mm -hmm. And so while I believe that Anybody can come and become an American citizen, I believe what your culture is matters mm-hmm. because if you cannot um, acclimate to American culture, mm-hmm. if you're going to just come here and say, okay, we're going to completely change what's happening and that's my intention, that's problematic. like to be able to come so so for me it's like I look at there are certain cultures who's like there are similar values and cultures, there are similar ideologies. I'm less concerned about that versus mm-hmm. I'm my concern with somebody who's, like, they're going to come here, they're going to set up a little whatever, and it's going to stay that way forever. Like, they're just – they're going to stay among themselves. They're not going to acclimate. They're not going to integrate into what's going on. Right. And they're still going to retain their culture so much that they never truly become American. Like, and I want anybody but, who's coming here is to that, be willing to do and,
1: that. And you would also say that that's – because from the other side, right, lived in Latin America for a while, yeah. there are little communities within Latin America yeah. that – they're all white kids, American parents, and they live there for five years and never learn a word of Spanish. Yeah, which is and you would agree that that's bad. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yep. And so this is a universal. See, for
0: me. I, I don't even know that that is all totally wrong necessarily. For for me, like you can you can have pockets of people practicing whatever culture that that you want. Yeah. I, and I will say this because I. Coming from Mennonite heritage, yeah. you're talking about a people that were cloistered and had their own culture. No doubt. No kidding. We we still had our own culture mm-hmm. where you know all the other Mennonite people. Right. You live in a Mennonite community. Yes, you interact with people from the world, but the people that you go to church with, the people you associate with, the people you're going to marry, and and all of that are all from one group of people, and it's right. hard to get into that, right. And and it's difficult and and you struggle with it if you ever leave that type of thing so but so, see that but see but that, like that it to is me a, is a it is a culture and it was intentionally cloistered that way because of the amount of persecution that brought us here yeah and and then also having different stances on things like being pacifist right not joining in in civil wars ostracized us not joining right. in, in world war Two or world war one ostracized mm-hmm. that community further and so there was there were things that taught you that, look, the outside world is what they are. We are what we are. And I can totally see how immigrant communities come here and right. have retained most of their own culture. What, what I would say the only problem is how, how they would expect the government to interact with them and, and what you're saying, like trying to change things for everyone else. Yeah. It would be like if we came in as Mennonites and said, we need everybody to wear the head covering. Yeah. Like we are going to change it for everyone else and we're going to push until that happens. That That's going to make a problem. That's going to be yeah. what you're talking about well, being and, and, problematic. And, here, and here's the thing. You're trying to use the government right. to impose our culture on a culture that we immigrated to. Right. That, that and can I, get, and that I don't can get have really I don't sticky. have a you problem I mean? with with a first generation or two not fully
2: integrating into what goes on because that's just natural like they are more where they have come from but than where they have But if it's a religious become.
0: thing, I'm not going to But integrate. that's but religion is a whole different
2: a whole different topic. A, a there. religion
0: is a component of what we're talking about it's with immigration. It's a component. It's a component.
1: So it's been my experience that typically within a generation yes. Those kids are engaged in culture. Right, exactly. Right? Because typically they're going to be going to school there, right? Yeah, right. The parents might not, and that's less a matter of a refusal to let go of their own culture and engage in the new one, and more a matter of it's really hard to get your foot in totally the door sometimes. With it. The first time my wife moved to the States, um, like she had. Just the worst experience. And when I was saying, "Hey, we should move back to the states," she was not interested at all because yeah. her experience was that Americans are very standoffish, uh, very uncomfortable with anything new, uh, unwilling and uninterested in the world outside themselves. Yeah. Um. And I think that was ne- that was true of her where she was in Georgia. I don't think it's true of the entire state of Georgia. Right. And I don't think it's true of where we live. Yeah. Um. And so I. I and I think I. So she's found that to be true as well.
0: Let let's step back just a little bit and mm-hmm. go to what can be done about immigration. I think a lot of people like you said yeah. uh people will say, "Oh, you just don't like anybody the immigrants cuz you're racist." Mm-hmm, and then right. other people are saying, "Build that wall." Yeah. And and then so some people want no immigration. Some people want no immigration law. Yeah. My my take on all of this is Immigration should have simple layers to it, mm-hmm. and and easy access from the point of, point of entry. Legal immigration should have should should make sense to yeah. someone that comes here and wants to immigrate. It should make sense. It should be logical, and it should be fairly quick. Yeah, like we can't have immigration courts tied up for years and years and years and visas expired for years and years and years and nobody checks up i want the day your visa expires and you're still here someone to have a flag to know hey we should do something about this because this visa is for a period of time and we need to know where this person is now mm-hmm. like we if they haven't left, we need to know where they are, and we need to find them. Because remember, the 9-11 hijackers were all on expired visas. Right. They overstayed student visas, almost all right. of them. And so the government should have, the way the immigration system is supposed to work, you are here, you said you're coming here to go to school for two years. Great, right. we will give you a two-year visa. When that's up, somebody should be going to find them yeah. or find and, out where they are.
1: And when doing a visa... Isn't typically very hard, depending on the type of visa you have.
0: But so, so my question is, what can be done? Well, like, what what would be that part of, part simple? Part first part of the first
2: layer of, of complication that I at least want to throw out here, because I think I think people don't consider this very well. The United States is a massive, massive country. Like, we do not we do not understand, you know. We're more of an equivalent to the European Union in terms of what we are, oh, in terms yeah. of land mass, in terms of population, in terms of all those things. And there is enough autonomy in the states. There is enough distinct distinctness between the states that some of these things are much more complex. I completely understand what you're saying. I'm not saying you're wrong to think but that. I agree with But this is purely
0: a federal issue. And I agree with that. The one thing the federal government should be doing is maintaining right. borders. And infrastructure. Right. That, they're there to help but this it's, and, but, and, and but defend. If, but if somebody comes
2: in and they get a green card and they're living initially in New York and then they move. I want to push
1: back on that. Go for it. Um, get a green card is a much more complicated. So people come into this country typically, especially from Latin America, don't have a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. Okay. In order to get here legally through a port of entry, let's say I'm a Guatemalan citizen and I want to come to the U.S. legally, I need to go to the American consulate. That sounds simple in Guatemala in Guatemala City, Guatemala. That sounds simple, except I need to call them and schedule an appointment. But they won't tell me what I need for that appointment. I just need to know it and bring it. And if I don't have it when I get there, that appointment's usually going to be about a month from now. If I don't have it when I get there, they're just going to turn me away and they won't explain. Yeah. Let's say I do get the appointment. I do have my paperwork. They're going to charge me for that, okay, to, for, for the appointment, and they're going to charge me for the paperwork to enter the States legally. Yeah. So assuming I can pay for that, I still need to get to the States and cross through legal port of entry with my paperwork that I have. Right. That paperwork is probably just a visitor's visa. Once I get to the States, I need to wait a couple months before I can apply for a work visa. Uh-huh. So assuming that time I've had that money, I'm probably already well off enough in my own country that coming to the states isn't really something I need to worry about. Yeah, people coming here are coming here for opportunity. Yeah, and the, if they need opportunity, they don't have the kind of money to afford the opportunity. Mm-hmm. They come here. They they they're gonna be here a couple of months, probably working under the table in order to like survive long enough to get their business visa, so their work visa. After three to six months, they can then apply for their green card uh, and social security number, which is still gonna take them a couple months and they've probably sunk a couple thousand dollars at this point not mm-hmm. including just the cost of living yeah and and getting here and then it's another five years minimum before they can apply for their citizenship yeah like it's a very very long very very complex expensive process and the u.s government well immigration services specifically will not answer questions they have a firm policy we don't answer questions mm-hmm. you call with a question they're not going to answer it they have a website you can go to their website and you can get information there but if you don't fit their cookie cutter of what it's supposed to look like yeah you're on your own yeah. You have to pay for an immigration lawyer. An immigration lawyer is going to co- cost you another half of what the form costs on top of that, right? Like, it's a very expensive, very lengthy process. Right. Yeah.
2: That's a problem. Which it, which it clearly has not always been because, of course, you know, waves of Irish immigrants, things we have over who they were devastated by the potato famine. Mm-hmm. They came here because of that and they were, they had nothing. I mean, right. they literally had nothing. And um, it's interesting to me because this goes back to, One of the biggest problems with, if you go back to a lot of the problems that we have currently with immigration, started with the 1965 Immigration Act that Lyndon Johnson signed into law. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that that did was this, is that before that, we had something more akin to... I don't want to use the word quotas, but it's the best thing I could come up with. Yeah. Within a certain amount of time, only so many allowed to people were allowed to expat- expatriate from their country and come to the United and States. And it was by region. Yes. And it was by region. So once that was full, they literally said, Okay, no, we're shutting this down and for a while. And that was
0: a power of the the executive branch. Right. We're shutting of this government.
2: down for a while now. And it would be, you know, years maybe even before they would reopen and say, Okay, we're gonna allow you to come from this region again. Mm-hmm. This is why I go back to that whole idea of acclimation because one of the things that that had the benefits of doing was people would get in and they would they would acclimate. Yes, there would still be a little Italy, but like you said, kids would start to would start to you know merge with their classmates. there would start to be a change in, in the and honestly, the the biases that Americans had towards those people would start to fade as well. They'd start to just become eventually their people. Yeah. And then they'd open the doors again and allow more to come in.
1: Well, speaking of biases, that's yeah. actually... And that's
0: where you get the idea of the
1: melting well, pot.
2: Right. And when Lyndon Johnson signed that into law, one of the things that happened was those went away. And yeah. so now all of a sudden, it's just open season all the time. Sure. And then, so to try to mitigate that, it has become more expensive. That's been the politician's solution. It's like, oh, we're just going to make it harder to get here. Well, no, it doesn't need to be harder... We just need to, we need to actually have some controls in place and not just have the door open all the time.
1: If you look at uh, immigration law. But ref- the
0: door isn't open. Well, here, let, I want to I hear what he has if, to say if, here. If but you look hold at,
1: that thought, though, because I want to hear that. If you look at immigration reform over the last 30 years, every time it's gotten tighter, it's been a Democrat in office. And it's every time it's gotten looser, it's been a Republican office, mm-hmm. in office. People say that Trump is cracking down on immigration, and he's not. He's just enforcing laws established by Clinton and Obama. Right, right. Right? Like, that all he's doing is enforcing laws that other presidents have passed, and they're they're villainizing him for it. Was that a word? Yes. yes. Oh. Yeah, it is. And and do I agree with the policies? Not necessarily, but like, he's he is literally doing his job. He is enforcing the law.
0: Yeah. So this is my my problem is that the door is not open. I think what we've done is narrowed it down so far, like what he's talking about, mm-hmm. that long process that you'd have to go through. And I know this is true because I've, fr- I've had friends that immigrated from England and you would think that would be easy, you know, but it's not, you know, to get here and to get the work visas and to, you know, e- and they're not even trying to become citizens, just right. work here and live here. Right. You know, and that that's difficult. But the door is not open. like we're Like we're saying... Lyndon Johnson threw open the floodgates and says, okay, everybody from everywhere come. What he did was open the top of the funnel. Yeah. But the bottom of it, the bottom of that funnel is only as and has big as a bureaucracy right. that, that can allow people into it. So immigration courts, there's only so many. There's only so many judges. There's only so many right. lawyers. There's only so many people in so many different parts of the immigration system that you... If you were to overwhelm that and dump a five-gallon bucket in the top of that funnel, not very much is coming through that legal right. The, that actually gets through the entire process and out the bottom as citizens. It, you're, to speak
1: but, to that, to, to to give that some validity, I was recently speaking with an immigration lawyer, and he said if something were to happen with my daughter, we can appeal in court, and that appeal date would probably be set somewhere around four to five years in the future.
0: Yeah, and why 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 is that? Just resources.
2: Right.
1: Because the but immigration here's, here's courts part are tied of, up but here's the, out.
2: Here's part of the problem, though. You have, you have, I feel like you've conflated by saying, by saying the funnel system. I get that. In terms of becoming a citizen, I totally am with you on that. The problem is, is that people can get here. The top of the funnel is the actual door. Getting here, as long as you can afford it, which is the prohibitive part? Which is what they keep doing to try to mitigate that. Which no, is but a if you
0: if you don't go through all the proper channels and you exit the system at any point, yes, you might be in, but everything about your life is unstable. Yep, totally true. And you you have no way. They, they of live in fear. No, yeah, there is an element of fear behind everything that you do. Yes. And so so we have then then you which have, is used then as a political a, football, right? And so then people people interact with other people based on fear.
2: And I'm not saying that the people are using that as a political football. I'm saying politicians use yeah, that as a yeah, political football.
0: Yeah. I, I, I live... And then when President Bush tried to solve this problem, like you said, like another Republican president try to um, make this much broader, yep. he got tons of pushback because they're like, oh, no, that's amnesty. We can't do that. Right. Yeah. Which
2: the last president to do was Reagan.
0: Yeah. But anyway, what were you going to say?
1: Well, the apartment buildings I live in, um, several people that live in those are undocumented undocumented immigrants. Uh And so whenever I'm speaking with them, a lot of conversation is about, you know, hey, do you know a good lawyer? Uh, Hey, hey, um, I have a medical issue and I don't know where I can go. Can you help me out? Um, They live in constant fear, constant panic. Um, Not, you know, everything about their life is unstable. Yeah. Not, um, but not, to to get to like what you asked, which is what is the solution? Right. So 90% of immigration is paperwork. My brother, being a web developer, has told me um, there is zero reason for it to still be form fillable PDFs mm-hmm. that you mail in.
0: Yeah. Most of Canada was done online when I did it for my kids, but I did have to mail them yeah. like. A whole big packet I mean, of papers.
1: It, it really should be as simple as... Because a lot of re- the reason why it's so expensive is the amount of people that have to touch that paper, and you yeah. and we have to pay them, yeah. and American pa- taxpayer is not going to pay those people right. because American taxpayers aren't benefiting from it, right? So it, the immigration process is paid for by the immigrants who can't afford it, and so they skirt it, which actually drives up the costs. Right. Um, That paperwork can be a form fillable thing on the line and an algorithm can look for it and say, hey, this doesn't add up. And then it lands on somebody's desk. Right. Like we could cut funding for immigration services by easily 85 percent, I would imagine. Yeah. And end up with a more efficient, less expensive process that allows more people in of the kinds of people that we want, of the caliber of 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 character that we want yeah right it, nothing and, to do with skin tone and everything and by, with character. by
0: kinds of people one of the, I, this is part of what i wanted to get into with immigration overall there is a reason to have legal ports of entry and non-legal ports of entry like mm-hmm. you cannot just come across anytime anywhere for any reason you need to go through the legal parameters so that we know who's here and why for instance 9-11 yeah like we we have to know if somebody's coming in that has been recently in a terrorist camp and been training or from a particular region, hey, I do want people... That were from that particular terrorist training camp region to face a little bit more scrutiny about who you are, what's your background. I kind of want to know yeah. because we had this incident. We also part of the legal immigration process. Those of you that are concerned about vaccinations, you have to go through it and say, "I've been vaccinated for this. I've been vaccinated well, that's for that." What Al- Here's that's my what Ellis Island essentially
2: was for back then. Yeah. You would stay there, and they you were there for an, a lot of amount of times. Like, okay. You clearly don't have a disease. You can go on into the populace. Yeah, and it's, it's about and disease
1: control. I will as say well. they don't discriminate by country because I had to get a TB shot when I moved here. Yeah, right. It's not like even though that's not a problem in Canada, I still had to get a TB shot. Yeah, and in. Yeah.
0: If, if you've spent certain amount of time in world regions, even though I'm, I'm American citizen, I went there and I was there on one of their visas, and I come back, I have to go through well, a certain number go, of shots. You can't and stuff. go to can't, so
2: many of these countries as an American citizen even if you hadn't been <laughs> vaccinated on the way out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. That what I'm saying is there are reasons. For, first of all, for you want to get all of your your bad guys, like yeah. anybody that's uh, you know into into drugs or violence or other criminal intents or has a criminal background, they they could be fleeing. Uh, violence in their country they could have been the ones that perpetuated the violence and killed a number of people yeah. and now they're coming here we don't know you don't know anything about them right. if they don't come through proper ports of entry right so the whole goal should be to and and this this is where trump gets in trouble he's trying to close illegal ports of entry but and and i think with and and enforce immigration law, but to close illegal immigration first is what he's trying to do. What I'm saying is simplify the immigration system to allow people to enter and get and an, a way of filtering out, you know, to what we credit. want to filter out. And and when you open that up further, like whether through whether it's through web, whether it's electronically, however we can do it. We need to simplify it so people can interact with it, they can get through and live with a sense of peace and assurance that, hey, I'm on the right track, I'm doing the best I can, yeah. and, and I'm getting somewhere with this, and here's my next step, and I know what's coming next. We need to have some of that in place, and then you can really close down some of that other stuff because you can you are then having a place to force people into mm-hmm. you,
2: need to, you need to create the doorway before you close We don't have anywhere
0: for these people to go you can build all the walls you want yep. but what you're forcing them into is a broken system and you're still going to have people living in fear because they don't have the answer for what's next what do i have to do next if we put something in front of people that they could do next i think most people would
1: yeah no you're absolutely right um i so i have several friends that you know either were born outside the country and came here illegally at, at, when they were quite young or they came as adults and they came here illegally. Not, I'm not convinced that any of them did not know they had come here illegally. So anytime you'll hear somebody on the left saying, oh, they don't even know. No, they know. They yeah. know that they're coming here illegally they uh, it is also absolutely true that if they could be here legally they would be yeah that's they what I'm they saying. simply cannot afford it and and they don't know what their next step is they know they're here illegally but they don't know what their next step is and they don't know how to pay for it
0: yeah yeah you have to make the next step known you have to Tell people what they're going to be able to do next to be here legally. I guess
2: the thing that that I I want to look at, and I've never done this, and so I'm I'm throwing this out there with no, (laughs) with no ability to have anything to say on it. But I would really like to know why why illegal immigration has become such a scourge over the last, let's say, in my lifetime, over the last thirty five years.
1: Okay, so. In 1996, President Bill Clinton passed a new immigration law that made things a lot tighter. I cannot remember all of the specifics about it, but but basically, if you were um, caught, yeah, if you if you committed a crime and were caught and you were here illegally, they were going to deport you. Mm-hmm. During uh, George W. President George W. Bush's administration, uh, he changed it to so if you any
0: crime, or are we talking about felonies?
1: Um, I, I I think it might have just been felonies. I think you're right. Um, but so I know if
0: you were here illegally, you commit a felony. They're going to deport you.
1: Yes, I believe it was during George W. Bush's administration. He loosened it, and if it was a non-violent felony, they were they were more forgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may have specifics wrong on that. Um, during Obama administration, he started enforcing more strictly, and and actually had record deportations like. No president deported as much as he did, until the current administration. But he also passed a law um, because in in, in uh, the two of you are probably familiar with this. But in I believe it was California, they said it is inhumane to have kids locked up with their parents mm-hmm. with these other American convicts. Uh, it's Wait. traumatizing. To- well, so let's say that let's say that I came across the border illegally and I came with a kid. Okay, and they caught me. They would take me and my kid into. Uh, immigration services detainment. Um, and there were people that said rightfully, we don't know that that's their kid. And there's people on the left. We don't know that there's, that's their kid. And also, even if it is their kid, it's wrong to detain a kid. We need to have something that's more kid-friendly. Okay? Everybody said, yeah, you're right, we should.
0: This was during Obama.
1: Yeah, and so they started separating kids from their parents and putting kids into more kid-friendly detainment areas that also provided baths, food, education, and, and really took care of these kids in a way that we hadn't before. In the current administration, he continued to enforce these policies, and so we were separating kids because that was what we believed four years earlier to be the humane thing to do, but we were unable to keep up with the amount of mm-hmm. kids being contain- detained. Now, there were not kids in cages, despite what some of those photos right. might w- might show but we weren't providing these kids the best possible detainment that we could have they were still getting a whole lot better treatment than their than their presumed parents yeah there have been a couple cases where people detained at the border have died all of those people they were the immigration services were fighting for those people's lives yeah they are dying because they're being led through the desert by coyotes and not being fed and they don't get water they're getting raped they're getting they're they're drug mules like they're dying because of how the the mexican cartel is treating them not because of how our immigration services are treating them right yeah
0: and, and I don't think any, any US agent wants the black eye of something like that. Like that's not no, their job wants is to hurt or kill people. That, you know, especially exactly. people and, that are in detainment. And as as you guys so are talking yeah, And as the, you
2: guys are talking about this, I feel like I've gotta and again, <clears throat> being being that I've always been a conservative, a Republican, you know, obviously now more libertarian than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. I think I have to lay this all at the feet of the Reagan administration for two reasons. One, he did sign an amnesty bill. And I think that probably gave people hope, especially people who were coming from uh, from south of the border who are, their lives are dominated by just these horrible things that were.
1: And during out that time, work. there was a lot of communist revolutions in right. Latin America that people were fleeing as right, well. Right, we're fleeing and, as
0: well. Uh, you also had the n- rise of the narcos right. in Colombia and, and F- Mexico. Which, which was o- paying for which the which
1: communist revolution. Which was helped.
2: So much by well, and, and the war on drugs was not started by Reagan.
0: Mm. No, but, but it was he did ratcheted. ramp it up. He provided funding that it never which had totally before. changed
2: the criminality and the criminal element of that to a whole different level than it had been previous to the '80s. And the violence of it and the the brutality of it mm. totally changed it. So I, I do. I think I have to lay this all at Reagan's feet in terms of the wave that is that has started since that time. I think that kind of was the tri- the tipping point for all of that.
1: I think, though, and and even within this conversation we've been doing it, the media seems to drive this narrative that illegal immigration seems to only come from one country. No. I, yeah. I, right? Yeah. And and the truth of the matter is most illegal immigrants that you're going to meet are usually Honduran and Guatemalan, not Mexican. Yeah, yeah. But secondly, if we look at deportation rates, we deport to Europe about as much as we deport to Central America. We deport to Asia about as much as we deport. Right. Like, we have illegal immigrants coming from a bunch of places, and if we build a wall, first of all, it's a very expensive project. Secondly, it's doubtful how effective this is going to be as far as creating legal ports of entry. Yeah. And thirdly, it's only going to be effective at 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 one way in that they're that they're right coming here illegally. Most illegal yeah, it immigrants. Yeah, certainly
0: doesn't stop people that overstay their visa, like we were concerned about with 9/11 no, like or, or with anything else. With my own else. daughter. Yeah, sure. Either yeah. way. Like and, it doesn't and it doesn't most stop.
1: most illegal immigrants are here on expired paperwork that came here through a legal port of entry. They're yeah. not ones that came and, the, and and I don't know, so I I'm I'm torn on the whole wall thing. I do believe we need to have a simpler process, but I also believe that process needs to be enforced strictly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If the process is simple and you know what the next steps are, there should be stricter penalties for people we've, that don't go through the we've process. We've done it
2: better than we do it now.
1: Well we have we to do it. Better, at some we point. did it better
2: than we do it now for years and years. And then that's why we
1: have so many Smiths. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but seriously, the, the Irish integration in America, the, 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 the Italian immigration in America has all are all things that have completely they have become a part of the fa- the fabric of what America is. Yep. And you can't deny that. And it's a good thing, and it's been a positive
0: thing. Well, and and even Indian immigration, yes. Like from India, there's there's been uh, certain countries in Africa that have right. had massive. But these, flows but of these, uh, the only
2: reason I'm picking these two two is not because they're white European countries, but because they are the they are the most dominant, altering immigration waves that happened, I would say, in the sure. United States outside of um, the African slave trade because I think that had just as much of an impact. It was just very, very different, obviously.
1: So something I might, I wanted to mention earlier, but now that you've brought up Italians and Irish immigration waves again, uh, we can also look at it with the Polish, we can look yes. at it with, uh, with Hispanics. Um, my wife like did this research in college, and she's told me it, and I've looked into it further, and uh, pretty much every... Um, organized crime we've had as a country has been a result of a group of immigrants come in and they're not well received and so they have to protect their own. Right. right. Like the black hand which is what the mafia is. Right. Like their whole thing was we're going to police ourselves. Right. right? We're going to take care of ourselves and if you pick on one of us we're going to pick on you. Yeah. Right. And, and they spiral out of control because they have to keep power some way. Right. right. Um, and they so, didn't
2: and, and the mob didn't become messy until, until prohibition happened. That's when
0: it got messy. Yeah. And it also but, got funding because it was... But the reason it, I bring this up... Because we pushed anyway. a large sector of the right. economy into the black market. Right. So, so if you have a gang that's already operating the black market, people don't think about this with Prohibition because you're making a large how how big of the sector of the economy are you making illegal you're pushing At all that, that money right, somewhere that, right. and what they did was pushed it right into the mafia right. and created something that existed but not with the amount of money that all of a sudden they had
1: on the other it's- hand though if it wasn't for the prohibition we wouldn't have nascar <laughs> that's also true so well, gee. but the reason I bring up the the, <laughs> the, the reason I bring up the, the Thank g- God gangs for prohibition. The reason I bring up gangs, and I, I I have not done the research on the MS13 specifically, so I may be wrong, but I know a lot of the Hispanic gangs. What would happen is they they moved here, they would create these insular communities because they weren't welcome in Southern California, despite what California would tell you. Yeah, um, and they because they weren't welcome, they made these insular communities that protected their own. Over time some of these guys would get deported, they go back to their own countries and they would as several of them would get deported to their own countries, they would just start those gangs within their own countries. Yeah. Um and there are several Hispanic gangs that have fingers and ties into a bunch of Latin American countries. Um, typically the So these, that
0: that makes them international and probably become more violent in their home in their foreign country than they are in the States.
1: Yeah, because back in their own country, they're no longer accepted either. Because now they're Americans, right? Yeah,
0: and it's and policing is not quite at the level that it is in the, in the U.S. That's true.
1: Um, yeah, it, a lot of America's immigration issues tie back to our own intervention in other countries. Yeah, um, and and there's nothing we can do about that now. Those mistakes were already made. But I Except believe that,
0: maybe not intervening as often.
1: <laughs> well, going forward, sure. Um, well, this, but but here's the thing. Even with that, because we have like, so having moved to the states, I, I want to clarify. Before I came here, when my parents told us we were moving to the states, I was so against it. Okay, I was. Yeah, obnoxiously against it. Um, and when I moved here, I would look for all the American stereotypes I could find and the people I, I went to school with as a reason not to like them. Yeah. Right? Because I, I did not like Americans at the time. Now I'm here, hardline libertarian. I'm very proud that I'm going to be getting, working towards citizenship this summer. Um, and my brother, who was kind of like, eh, it's whatever when we moved here, has maintained his green card, recently renewed it. And it's likely that in the next several years, will probably move back, right? He doesn't have a whole lot of, like, patriotism when it comes to America, whereas I, I am quite fond of the place, and, and I believe firmly in, in the core assumptions of the American dream. A lot of people that come here also do, right. so, which was your concern. Right. But language will always be a barrier. Totally. And uh, and that's just the, just the way it is. Totally. It was somewhere I was going and, with that, but I, I forgot. And I don't think that oh, we necessarily... necessarily.
0: Oh, interventionism. Yeah, that, that goes back to what so, I, I was going to say about Memorial Day. My, my daughter asked, you know, yesterday, what What is Memorial Day?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, it's a it's a day to remember the people that paid the ultimate price. They laid down their lives for our country." And I said, "And an, an an element of this is that we honor those that were that were fallen." I said, "The other element of it is we need to remember that war should not be undertaken lightly. Yeah, because there is a high Cost. price to pay." Mm-hmm both on our side and whoever we're fighting. There is going to be a high price to pay. So I said, that's something that you need to remember along with Memorial Day. The cost is real, and these yeah. are real people that went and died. They left their homeland, they went and died. And um, and you could see like on her face, like she's really starting to get this, and I'm like, yeah. So when, when we talk about foreign intervention and stuff like this, you see the human casualty with the mass immigration, they're fleeing something, Yeah, you know, and, and we also see the mass casualties. I was just driving through a small town in Pennsylvania. I mean, this, this was a postage stamp town and it had one sheets and that was it. But <laughs> as you're driving through every signpost had a picture of someone with their name, their, their mil and their military, uh, picture and with the flag behind them and all that yeah. of people that have served and died on every lamppost all the way through town and I'm driving through this town and I'm like this town doesn't have that many people in yeah. it but I'm sure it goes back you know over the last 100 120 right. years you know of everybody they could find and they were honoring them it was it was beautiful and I'm yeah. like this is a this is amazing but you're driving through that town and you're like what a cost yeah. that we have that we have paid for some of this intervention it, that we've done in foreign countries and so yeah, I mean, I, that's part of it that we've got to remember, you know, before we rush to war and people beat the war drums, you've got to remember, hey, we're going to pay cost. a high price for this. Yeah. Now with our own lives, but we're also going to pay a price later because we're going to have to sustain the overflow of all of this yeah. what 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 destabilizes in another country.
1: So Growing up in Canada, there is a level of resentment that Canadians have to Americans for the fact that they kind of play world police. Yeah. That's, Team America. Yeah. That said, as much as they resent it, and and none of them will likely acknowledge this openly, they all know a great deal of the freedom that they enjoy is due to people in countries that, that, you know, in, in other countries. Uh, if, and if it the wasn't fact that for they don't
0: have to pay very much for a military.
1: If it wasn't for America's interventionism, Canada would look a lot different, uh, and most of Europe. while they don't like American interventionism. Also acknowledges this at, to some level. Um, you see it more in the politics than in in the uh, citizens and individuals. People mm-hmm. resent it, but also appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like you, if you talk to to soldiers that served uh, in, in the Middle East. There is, like, that dichotomy even in the citizens in the cities that they worked in, right? That people resented their presence, but also appreciated and understood why they were there. Yeah. Their interventionism is a problem. We, we too, um, we we overlook the, the cost of human life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is not just America's interests that are being protected when people serve overseas. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's I
0: don't know. F- I'm, I'm, and I'm toward on it. I'm about as non-interventionist as possible. I mean, I if if it it's not gonna attack us tomorrow, I have a hard time yeah. going. See, but this is where I struggle with too, because there's a, there's a level of
2: compassion, and I know it seems sounds strange to think of war as compassion, but there are times when it is. There are times when there is there is a certain amount of of injustice going on that like you have ISIS to and, yeah, you ISIS have and to the step.
0: Kurds where they've got yeah. those guys surrounded on the mountain and they're just going yeah. after them. It's like, somebody's got to do something. Right. We there's can. a reason, there's Should a reason we? that
2: world war two is, is revered universally. Yeah. Because the, the atrocities that were seen from Nazi Germany, but that's not why America got involved. No, it's not why they got involved. But now in hindsight, we're everybody, everybody looks at it and they think that's why we did it. It was morally right. That's you're right. That's not why we got involved in the first place. Um, but the hindsight is forgiving in that you can you can you can yeah. gloss over all the other stuff, the the geopolitical things that were going on, because all you have to look at is fascism, Holocaust. That's that's it. That's the rubber stamp that made it all all so palatable. That, so
1: then, I know we're we're, we're running long here, but oh, okay. but to to tag onto that then. Was America wrong to not get involved in Stalinist Russia or Maoist China? I tend to go with General Patton's idea of that, where as soon as World War II was over, they should have turned around and started attack the Russians. I, <laughs> I think they'd have been hard for us to do so. But, yeah. So, I, it's... it's it, it, I mean, interventionism is complicated. I, I, I'm a pacifist. That said, I don't think that, that the service of, of servicemen is valueless. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm firmly against the concept of war and I and people killing each other. That said, American soldiers are not fighting just for the uh, just for America's interests, mm-hmm. right? Oil was part of Iraq War, sure, but so were the people living in Iraq, right? Yeah. Like like the, it's it's so much like just like everything, it's so much more Layers. nuanced right then then people wanted wanted it to be right. because if i can make it and it, this ties back to immigration if i can make it a moral right wrong thing mm-hmm. in a single issue then it's it, then it's near impossible for me to be wrong right AOA's, aoc said right it doesn't matter if my my facts were wrong i was morally right
0: and and i i think that's one of the things that i wanted to get back to with immigration as a whole and just to tie it all together because we can't have this being a binary yes, yeah, no, totally. this is right or it's wrong. There, there are so many human elements to what's going on that the, the solution has to be much more comprehensive than building a wall. Mm-hmm. We yeah. should probably build a website first. <laughs> Agreed. You know, we build should that build, yeah, build, build that web. Build the web. You know. Yeah. Build build a system that makes sense. You That's know? not as pithy. Yes. <laughs> you can't you can't, you can't put it on a bumper sticker. Yeah. You know. No. Yeah. But I I do I do think you know it's got it's got to be it's got to be something that people interact with in a way that we can apply our logic and not just. I don't like those people. Right. Or uh, I don't like people that don't like those people. Yeah. You know, it's got to be something. There's got to be a middle road there. You so. know,
2: and it's funny to me because you know, I I have married into the the Mennonite Amish community. That was that was not something yeah. I, I mean, I was around it. I understood that it existed, but marrying into it has been an interesting thing because there's so many international entanglements mm-hmm. like i right. have i now have relatives that are from you know Guatemala that are from Honduras that that are dealing with all this stuff but uh, by marriage and and so it's it's very interesting to me that most people would look at the majority of my family uh, on my wife's side and automatically make assumptions about their bigotry automatically make assumptions about their race relations, all these yeah. things just based on where they are and how you're just white Americans. Yeah. When in reality that could not be more they're they're more exposed to outside culture than I've even ever been. Even though I've interacted with a lot of different cultures they have actually married into, lived in like they've they've their their life looks a lot more like yours does Nelson, in terms of where they've lived and where they've spent their time. And so I just think it's funny that we're trying to use these things as a stick to beat each other with. And we're making these assumptions based on such narrow parameters that really have nothing to do with what a person is, what their experience is. Cause like you said, most people will say things to you about, Oh, I can't stand immigrants. And then you're like, Hey, I'm one. And yeah. I'm, I mean, that's a gotcha that I would love to have in my life to be able to <laughs> throw that at people just to watch how uncomfortable they would become uh, from that. But I just think it's interesting to me that, that we're so hard trying to vilify people without getting to know who they are, what their motives are, and, and treating them as individuals, that it's, the whole thing is just going to st- remain a mess until we can actually look at each other in the eye and say, this is a person, and that's where we got to start well, from. It,
0: and, it, and it's brought up by the, by the left all the time, but we are a nation of immigrants. We really are. Every, all of us have immigrated here, and, and unless you are, you know, only Native— and you've only got native ancestry. Even which, that's
1: even big. Then you're probably Mongolian. Yeah.
0: There you go. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, we're, we're all a nation of immigrants. We've all, we've all come here from somewhere else. And what we've got to do is give people peace of mind as they come in. So yeah. there's got to be a way to do it moving yeah. forward. So
2: I'm all for anyone and everyone in the world coming here and becoming an American.
0: It's a good place. Anyone like and everyone. I am. Even if they're felons and murderers? No, 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 but you know exactly
1: Especially if they're felons <laughs> and murderers.
0: Nate wants felons.
1: We'll, send all we'll all the, be the we'll, new Australia. We'll
2: send all the felons and murderers to Texas and let Texas deal with it. <laughs> oh, jeez. I think they have a fast lane in terms of their state <laughs> execution. They'd have an express Texas lane. Texas can believe. be the new Australia. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. Well, but no, seriously that's 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 the thing is i, I don't care we're getting off track
1: right at the end <laughs> no but i but
2: i'm not though i'm not i'm making my point like yeah. i don't care what your nationality is i don't care what your skin color is i your don't religion, care about your any yeah it doesn't matter what matters is you want to come here and become american mm-hmm. because you can mm-hmm. i don't care yeah. i don't care where you're from without even going through one generation you can be an american here mm-hmm. and i that's the thing i love the most about the united states is is it's it's you know, I've known people who have immigrated to other countries, and they are always wherever they're from.
1: Yep. They never become... Well, even more than that, um, because I'm white, when, wherever I was in Latin America, I was an American. Yeah. And I'd say, no soy gringo, soy canadiense, and they were like, no, you're a gringo. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, that's,
2: and that's one of the things I think we need to talk about more, uh, you know, in terms of this dialogue. We have these problems because anyone can come here and become an American. We've not done, done right by all of them. We've not done them all correctly. We've done things better in the past sometimes, and we're doing
0: them now. We've done them worst in the past as right.
2: well. But, yeah. but all in all, this is a problem that we want to have in this country. It's a problem that we want to have to solve as opposed to not have this problem at all. So I don't know. I don't know if that's an action step or a nope. wrap-up or whatever. No, but.
0: it's okay. Uh, give us your feedback on this. I'm sure you guys all have your own story uh, we're all interconnected in some way with people that have immigrated here. Yeah. And uh, give us your story. Uh, we'll try and respond to you on Facebook. It's uh, at the Things We Say podcast on Facebook, at TTWS podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And it's thethingswe say at mail.com if you want to send us an email. So. Yeah, Nelson,
2: get in touch like, with we us. We like having you on here, man.
1: I like being on here.
2: And I say we because I know Sheldon well enough that I know I can speak collectively of the oh, entire, yeah. but we do. We enjoy having you on here. And, yeah, thanks uh,
1: for coming on, man. It's and my I, pleasure. And Every time. It's,
2: since you did, and, and we're not going to talk about this now, but sure. since you did drop the pacifist bomb, I yeah. would like to have that conversation with the three of us at some point. On oh, Because we've had that conversation, yeah. but we're more in the same camp both. so to speak
1: whereas i as a youth uh like to break noses so yes see
0: so there we go but anyway <laughs> you went the other way from yeah. like being more violent becoming yeah. passive. but anyway i'd love to have <laughs> I the I other love way. To a conversation that. for another I was, time i, I was raised it. without well, see, any self-defense and you're,
2: and you're one of those rare people that i know i can disagree with and we're not going to offend each other sure and I love that. I'm hard I, love, to I love having conversations with those kind of people yeah. um, because that's where you get to the best the best common truth is having those conversations. So anyway, now so thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for, for having me. I'm sure we'll have you on again. Excellent. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The things we say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.